What's going on, everybody? Daryl Freighter, the club CEO here. We have another amazing episode of the My DJ Story podcast brought to you by the club, the number one live streaming app for DJs and partygoers. Today, we have my brother, DJ DZ. Brother, can you please introduce yourself to the people who you are and where you're from? Sure, sure, sure. Hey, guys, I'm uh, DJ DZ. My name's uh, David Zales. If you look for me on screen, down here in New Orleans, uh, representing 90.3 FM. Uh, shout out to all the pandas down in Miami right now for Expo. And um, yeah, you can find me on TV. I'm on Queen of the South, the final season. I'm on Leverage 2.0, coming on IMDb TV. Uh, a lot of movies have been filmed down here in New Orleans, I've been in, but uh, this is where my heart is, right here in the FM station and playing some of the best music that I can for the community. Awesome, brother. Super excited to hear your story, man. You have an amazing background. You have accomplished a lot. So we want to hear how you got to that point and see if DJs that are listening could also get some inspiration on how they can get there as well. So bring us back to the beginning. What sparked your interest in becoming a DJ? And tell us a little bit about those beginning days in your journey. All right. Great stories, man. Uh, so I was in the military and at the same time, I was uh, in the, the nightlife business. So I was uh, an event coordinator and a promoter. You know, when I was stationed my first duty station, I mean, I, I was miserable. I had no friends. It was uh, it was hard. So I went out there and I did what I did best was dance. I love dancing. And as time went on, I started getting every job in the in the business, you know, like from the doorman, from the barker, from the bartender. One of the last things I want to do was uh, DJ. So in my military career, I got stationed in Japan where they didn't have a they didn't have a, a good nightlife in the base I was on. So I went to the club on base and I. Luckily, this uh, nice gentleman who was a DJ, uh, a Japanese DJ, mind you, was on the turntable. He's like, hey, man, do you mind if I just kind of... And he's like, no, please come in. And he became my sensei. And I was his people. And uh, he turned, he learned me, he, I mean, I'm sorry, he taught me turntable DJ uh, and how to, you know, categorize music and uh, really kind of put me on a, a great journey. And then I got stationed in New Orleans. And I was like, all right, New Orleans, like entertainment, one of the best uh, places for entertainment. And the uh, first place I went in, stepped in the door, I got uh, hired. Actually, I got stolen from that place. They took me to one across the street. Like, hey, man, come over here. And um, shout out to Abby. I hope you're listening. And uh, yeah, she put me on, and I started DJing on Bourbon Street uh, for like seven years. And, and uh, then I got into strip club DJing. I did residency DJs. I uh, did a wedding or two. And, um, and I got me here to this FM station. And I'm so grateful now that I'm like, I can reach out to this community and speak on things that matter to me and that matter to the New Orleans community. So there it is there. Wow, man, that's super amazing, brother. You know, you've been in the game for a long time, playing in different roles and finally led on the DJ role and kind of just stuck with it ever since, brother. Uh, I would love to hear, you know, what are some of the learning lessons that you learned throughout that journey? You know, when you just got started, of course, everything is new. Everything is hard. Um, what are some of the things that you learned as a DJ and things that you know now, but you kind of wish you knew when you're first getting started? That's very helpful to our audience. I have a backup song. <laughs> Yo, I, there's something like in the beginning of my career, I was like, oh, this is going to sound good. You know, and then when you play it, your audio files, once you have good audio files, nothing recorded from YouTube, okay? One of my best uh, recommendations for guys who are up and coming. I know a lot of people get music from their buddies or their friends, but trust me, spend those couple of dollars on getting the, the, the from the sites, registering for the sites where they give you the music, you know, and get uh, quality music, best sounding, good intros. And then um, get your folders, you know, like know what you're, what kind of audience you're catering to. And uh, man, I, as I learned on Burger Street, you know, I had to work with people from all over the world, not just America. You know, I had to 
catered to Brazilian people, Chinese people, Russians, and so it really opened my my eyes to all the music genres that are all over the world, K-pop, J-pop. Like, I had no clue what they're saying, but kids will dance to that music. So uh, yeah, it's very important that you guys be open-minded to you know what other people can who can bring to the table. You know, and I like I started off in the music business. I was a uh, like hip-hop. I was influenced nothing by. BET, Uncut, <laughs> MTV, uh, VH1, like all the other music channels. And, you know, as I became uh, more involved in the military, started meeting people from different backgrounds, like New York, East Coast. Hip hop is totally different from the West Coast, of course. Then you got like hi-fi music, Miami, down south bass, New Orleans, bounce music. There's all sorts of genres that expand more than what you're hearing on the radio. And then when I, like I said, traveled to Japan, I got on J-pop, K-pop, started learning about Russian hip-hop music and the French and how uh, diverse they are. And like, there's some great artists out there. You guys just open your ears. And you have, we have more capabilities now more than ever to get on the YouTube, SoundCloud, on Spotify, and hear different uh, DJs, different musicians. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we have now that we didn't have back in like the 90s and in the 2000s. You know, we're just now fighting other ways to express ourselves through music and art forms and it's uh, it's a great time to be alive and uh, hear other parts of the world and what they uh, what they are bringing to the table in the music business i love it man oh this is a super amazing story and before we go further we're gonna jump into a quick commercial break but when we come back we're gonna talk about some of the things that you were able to see being all over the world with your djing so we'll cool. go into a quick break all right let's go and we're back with the My DJ Story podcast. We're here with my brother, DJ DZ, and we're hearing his exciting story about his journey in the DJ industry. He's done a lot of things and is currently doing an amazing job with his story. Uh, brother, so please, you've been all over the world and doing a lot of different shows and, and DJing for a lot of different people. Can you tell me some of the differences of DJing overseas versus DJing here in the States and some of the things that DJs have to understand when they're playing for uh, diverse audiences? The language barriers, uh, of course, that's going to be like the number one thing that comes up. You know, some people are going to try to communicate with you and if you don't, if you're not open-minded to other cultures, I mean, it's not going to work for you. So, you know, as I was uh, in Japan, I, I learned uh, people like really love hip-hop music. As I started walking around, like hip-hop culture influences those Japanese uh, young people. Actually, uh, a lot of the Japanese people. I saw break dances out there. I saw people with graffiti work. I, like, uh, I was loving the DJs because they were playing old 90s, like Tupac and some Biggie. And I was like, oh, go ahead, guys. And every time I saw a DJ out there, like, I always gave him a spouse. Like, hey, good job, dude. Um, yeah, just be, be uh, definitely be open-minded and learn from uh, other cultures because there's so much that I brought from Japan here. Because I, I, it's not just Japanese people out there. There was Brazilian people, Australian people. So coming down to New Orleans, as I met people uh, that were from other countries, I told them about my travels and like I just through good uh, friendships. You know, now we have a long-term relationships, and I'm able to go to Atlanta or to Florida or to even Arkansas if I want to, and meet my uh, people who I met in this business and have a place to stay, and they can put me on a resident DJ for a night, and it's it's cool. I uh, I definitely appreciate that music can bridge that gap that language barriers are preventing us from, you know, creating relationships. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about music, like you said, you know, regardless of where they're from in the world, 
music is something that's very common and connect people. It's like its own language in a sense. And it's super amazing that you can build relationships and kind of just kind of vibe with people on music and, and commonalities and people's sure. music interests. And yeah. that's, that's really great. You know, I, I would love to hear and something that we always like to talk about here on the My DJ Story podcast is your branding. Uh, so you go by DJ DZ. I would love to hear, you know, a little bit about how you got that name and what that branding means to you and your business. Shout out to my baby mom. I love you. <laughs> the mother of my kids, I never call my baby mom, but the mother of my kids, uh, we were in, uh, I think the Appalachians when one uh, spring or summer, and I, I was just collecting music on LimeWire, you know, the good old days. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she was like, uh, I was playing around with the DJ systems, and uh, she was, and we were just kind of thinking of names, like, who would be a cool name? And she used my initials, David Sales, DZ. And I was like, DZ, Dizzy, Dizzy, DZ. You say fast enough, but perfect. Thank you. You are fantastic. And uh, yeah, she gave me my, she helped me, she gave me the name. I'm gonna say she created the name. I give her full credit. And uh, yeah, it followed me from the Appalachians to Japan to New Orleans. And uh, it stuck, dude. And it's easy, you know, DJ, DZ, four letters, cool. And um, yeah, luckily through that, people uh, were able to speak my name down here and got me on a few film sets. And uh, yeah, I've, I've made a lot of uh, good, uh, good connections because of just that simple brand. And, uh, you know, DZ got me uh, in touch with my partner, DJ Bogey. And, uh, you know, with that brand, we formed this, the Booze Brothers, which is our radio show down here in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, working on Bourbon Street, we're the Booze Brothers of Bourbon Street. So we'll, we drink a lot, you know, <laughs> in moderation. And I got, I'm not drunk right now, I promise. <laughs> I haven't had a sip since last night. And uh, we, we'll, uh, we'll try uh, drinks from local breweries or distilleries and that's where I think we're doing the, the most work is because we're reaching out to the community our community down here in Louisiana and trying to support local and uh, you know as we're buying those beverages we're keeping the money down here in New Orleans so shout out to Abita shout out to Nola Brewery and uh, you know they, they uh, a lot of places have opened their arms to us and gave us tours and we've uh, definitely been networking with other liquor brands Friends, uh, shout out to Buddy Buddy in Texas. Uh, no, sorry, I'm name dropping here. <laughs> and um, yeah, because of the the show, and you know, just we're catering to more of an adult crowd, so we know that our our brand is 21 and up for sure. And people that that are in our age group, they listen to certain things on the radio. Uh, they've grown up with a certain time period of music. They went from CDs to iPods to uh, you know whatever's in your phone now. And uh, so yeah, we definitely keep mindful of current events. We keep mindful of. Uh, things that have happened as uh, as music has transitioned. You know, we've had genres like that didn't last. Emo, uh, emo music, uh, we had, uh, what was the, the high key stuff? Uh, we had, uh, what was the thing, the shuffle, all the shuffle kind of music and all those brands, you know, all those uh, genres. Uh, a person hears it while they're walking down the street, you might turn it, you know, oh, explain what's going on over here? Especially on Burberry Street, you know, a lot of clubs don't charge you to come into clubs. Uh, so as you're walking, it's kind of whatever catches your ear. So I've learned, you know, people with uh, more money to spend are typically older, you know, like in their 30s and 40s. They got expendable income. So when they come down here for Saints games, pre-pandemic, uh, they, they're walking down the street. And I can spot, I can spot a 30, 40-year-old, you know, simply by what they wear. They're probably wearing some New Balance shoes and they got some walking shoes on. Their hips aren't working in the right way. And, uh, hey, come on over here. We want you to uh, relax, sit down, enjoy some Grandia and Monica, some R&B music, chill. And then we're going to get into the other genres and then we're going to try and bring you up to date then we're going to pronounce a car bb let's see if you can twerk and then, oh you can't twerk okay we're going to slow down put on some uh, 
pronounce the slower music again. But uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, catering to the crowd and like minding your breath. You hear that? The birds out here. I get all these tweets. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're up here in a, a high rise down in New Orleans, and yeah, these birds just flying up here. Hey man, I think it's super awesome that you're in New Orleans in on Bourbon Street. I think that's really dope. And it kind of is different for you as a DJ. For one, you don't have to really worry about traffic too much because they bring the traffic to you. But you really have to worry more about how do you retain people and get them into your doors and stay and spend money with you and kind of participate with what you got going on. So talk to us a little bit about that and the things that you do to kind of keep that crowd um and then you know since you don't have to really focus more about outreach and, and promoting in the traditional sense where do you focus most of your time as a dj and kind of talk to me about just your experience being on bourbon street oh man okay on bourbon street so you're definitely with the people so you can smell them <laughs> you can you can taste them if you like <laughs> uh no and, and, all, and all seriousness man, yeah uh, if, i don't have to worry about that you know back in the day i had to create flyers i had to uh had them out the right places mind the crowd and the people I was getting into, they can't be too young. You definitely don't want to hand it to some guys that are too old. And uh, so being fortunate enough to be on a street like Bourbon Street where the traffic just comes, great. Now catering to the right crowd, that's something else. Uh, I, I, you know, I hate this stereotype, thing, but like, um, I've worked with so many managers that like, don't make a grip, don't make, don't play ghetto music. Like, well, what's ghetto music? Tell me, sir, what do you think that is? Just to kind of put them on the spot, you know, because um, I can tell you working in the strip clubs that people that that uh, categorize ghetto music, people are the people that are afraid of things that are going to happen in the club. And, and you know, as I play this ghetto music, I see more customers spending money. So it's like a, a, a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, you're going to have fun. People spend money for a little bit, but then you got to deal with the repercussions. And, uh, you know, when we're working on Bourbon Street, you want it to be as hyped up as possible. It's a party atmosphere every day. And I tell you this, it is a circus out there. It is it is a mayhem on any given day. Like Mardi Gras is exciting and whatnot. Like if you're going to be coming down here from Mardi Gras, but I, I, honestly, pre-pandemic, every day was almost like Mardi Gras. I mean, there's always something to do, something to see. And um, as people come here, and it, it's just grabbing their attention and making sure that they're the right fit for your club and you want those people inside here you know and if uh you see some kids walking down the street college kids yeah they look good they're great looking do they got money to spend in here i couldn't tell you that you know only they would know you know they're spending mommy daddy's money that's cool but you know it, it's just catering to the crowd that you want and you know if you have a bunch of college kids inside your bar yeah some guys might wander in i mean if you have a lot of college girls you guys wander in now vice versa you have a lot of college dudes uh, Jamie and Jenny are going to keep walking down the street because they don't want to be harassed by all the chads and brads. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's been a, that's, that's an interesting uh, kind of perspective to see from like the psychological point. Just kind of sit back observing the car and see what's happening here. Now, the strip clubs, I didn't have this real problem. You, we knew you had to be 21 or over to get in. And uh, typically, college guys don't have money, thousands of dollars to spend on uh, dancers. So, we're not gonna harass them, or not, we're not gonna persuade them to come in. If they do wanna come in, fantastic, we'll open the doors for you and treat you just the same. But you know, myself, the staff, dancers, we all know that the real money is with the guys who are older, that can spend a little bit, 
tighter than wives <laughs> and uh yeah that can uh you know just show some love and appreciation for what the strip clubs are and it's entertaining man that's interesting man and i'm sure a lot of djs know what you're talking about and, and understanding got some good insight on how to navigate through um different you know attracting of different crowds and just kind of playing that game you know at the end of the day djing is a business and you got to figure out how you want to operate your business to maximize revenue and maximize you know success for your business so i'm all ears and thank you for sharing the details of how you go about your you know attracting of different clientele i think that is super amazing for you to drop these gems on the podcast man you know i would love to kind of dive deeper into the things that you're currently focused on now and how could my audience and myself help and support you oh man thanks a lot okay um so right now we are on a wamf time so this uh our call letters wamf lp down here in new orleans uh you want to keep us on the air and uh, all you gotta do is go on www.wamf.org and uh, you can listen to us 24 hours a day and uh we are a streaming fm radio station down here in new orleans in the heart and uh, if you want to donate, please uh, just go on the same site and donate any contribution to help. And uh, we have a lot of shows you can choose from. Uh, hip-hop and R&B is not your forte. You know, we have a road to the Ramones. Um, myself, uh, I'm actually on Queen of the South. I, uh, I'm on a few TV programs. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram, DJ underscore DZ, and just uh, kind of see the journey and where we're going. Um, I've uh, What's going on recently? Uh, I'm, in the, oh, I'm in the Happy Madison film. So I don't know if you're familiar with Adam Sanders movies. They film a lot of uh, Netflix uh, films. They're shooting one down here right now that I'm part of. I'm very excited. I uh, saw some funny things happen last week. So uh, uh, be prepared. Uh, look out for uh, Netflix films. And like I said, follow me on Instagram. I can't really talk about the title or the characters or anything. It's, it's uh, usually top secret up until like a month before it's going to air. And uh, yeah, just uh, that's always fun. I definitely uh, thank the film business out here in New Orleans. It's gotten me through the pandemic. But obviously, when the pandemic happened, uh, clubs got shut down. There was no uh, need for entertainment or a desire for it, I should say. And, uh, you know, at the time, I was going to say this, uh, DJing got me to my dream job. I actually became the entertainment manager at the casino down here, the biggest casino, Harris. So I was able to book, like, artists like Ashanti, uh, get a Naughty by Nature, some of my favorites, and then work with, like, Lizzo, Food Fighters, and uh, people from uh, the film world upstairs. So I've, I've been very fortunate in my career in this entertainment business to work with good people that got me to even greater people and uh, the chance to meet and network in this entertainment business. And uh, like I said, the pandemic happened and um, first things are go over at the clubs. And come August or September, I got a call and they're asking if I want to be in an NFL commercial. And I said, well, of course I would. Then they gave me a Tom Brady, uh, they gave me the Buccaneer stuff. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> I can't put this stuff on. But uh, I, you know, I uh, I did it for the paycheck, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, I, I was able to be in an NFL shop commercial, and then uh, that got me into some other uh, avenues of film. Uh, I was very fortunate to be a part of while the pandemic was happening. So uh, I thank the film business down here in Louisiana specifically for you know putting uh, money in my pocket and some food in my kid's mouth, and uh, it's got me this far. So like I said, I'm on a television programs in NCIS New Orleans. Uh, I was on Keanu, that was my first film, Keanu, uh, Jordan Peele movie. And um, yeah, it's uh, been a journey. And like I said, I wouldn't have not gotten here if it wasn't for DJing and for loving music and being able to recognize these artists and work with these producers. And you know, it's another thing that people don't uh, give credit to. They see the, the Ariana Grande's and the, the Weeknd, you know, but once you listen to the, the music and actually read 
the credits, you know, there's a producer, there's a DJ, there's a mixer, there's an engineer, there's a, you know, the marketing people, there's the big labels. There's so many moving parts in this music business. And once you start meeting those other people, it'll get you to where you want to be. And if you want to be in front of the camera, holding the mic at the Super Bowl, you can do that. You know, it just takes a lot of dedication, some hard work, and I mean, a lot of hard work. And now uh, you might have to sell your soul once or twice, but it's, uh, it's, it's part of this entertainment business that we all love. And um, I'm very grateful for where I'm at now. And actually, I have to take a COVID test in probably an hour so I can get on this other film. And uh, then I'll be back here and do my my mixing on this FM radio station, which I've wanted to do since I was in fifth grade. Dude. So I, like, I'm definitely happy that I have this opportunity to come here, play the music that I like, tell some stories about it, give me like, a little behind the music um, scenarios of all these artists, and then still get to go and make movies and make that happen. Awesome, man. And this is wonderful. And before we jump into the lightning round, um, one thing COVID-19 has done, a lot of people have found opportunities to relocate. Do you think that New Orleans and Bourbon Street is a good place for DJs to look into as a place they want to be? Do I think DJs should come here to New Orleans? <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, like New Orleans gave me an opportunity to be seen. It gave me a residency. Um, I think it's New Orleans is very saturated with a lot of artists, um, from musicians to like actual painters, sculptors, DJs. And uh, if you think you can stomach it, I, I, it'll definitely build some character. Because I'll tell you, I was in the Marine Corps for 11 years, man. And I got more confidence working on Bourbon Street than I did in the Marine Corps. And you could quote me on that. Because uh, I learned so much more on Bourbon Street about people. You know, I, I learned a lot in the Marines, but people i had to work with you know they come from different backgrounds you know they weren't as privileged as i was because i was sheltered in the marines all i knew was you know go to war down here you know people are dealing with the struggle and that's uh, that's a lot more uh serious in a sense you know people are wondering where the next paycheck's coming from are they going to be able to feed the kids uh then you got hurricanes you got to worry about and then the way the, the way the politics are set up down here is a lot different than anywhere else I've lived in my life. And uh, on top of that, you know, you got an infrastructure that's kind of failing. Uh, you got like the water board, who's a cast. From time to time, the water shuts off or like there's a, a leak in a valve somewhere. So we got to boil our water down here in New Orleans. Like these are stories I need, I need to tell people. Before you use the water, before you shower, brush your teeth, before you make Kool-Aid, you got to boil your water on occasion. And so that way you can put it in your body. Otherwise, it might have some bacteria. And, you know, these are things that aren't getting on CNN or nothing. It's just like the Flint, Michigan crisis. Like, these are things that happen down here that people don't realize because all they know is on Bourbon Street. Let's go get some, some daiquiris and go hang out. Uh, but, yeah, dude, there's a coming down here to New Orleans. You just got to be prepared to be a part of the struggle. And I did, man. I, I had my feet on the ground. I, you know, there's been nights where I was just eating a cup of noodles because that's all I can afford. And, you know, but then I go to this great club and I have all the drinks I can have and all the beautiful women and then I'm going home to eat noodles because you know you're you're cutting you're cutting quarters man and you're trying to make ends meet to do what you love and you know if you really love this music if you really love DJing you know you're gonna have to you know bite your grind your teeth sometimes you're gonna have to put up with the manager who doesn't understand you or hip-hop or uh just or just any music genre and it's gonna have to trust in you even though they probably don't know what they're talking about or they have a different sense of what they think good music is, you know, you gotta cater to them. So, uh, like, if you are, uh, uh, again, 
dedicated to the music and you want to be a DJ and you, oh, you want to work with a crowd too, yeah, Burberry will test you because they'll tell you like, yo, you score. <laughs> and they'll, uh, they'll kill the DJ. And you know, you just stomach it like, all right, cool. And then just play the next track to kind of diss them. Like, I don't, with you, you little stupid at, and you know, uh, and it's just like a lot of give and take with me. That's my experience, you know, maybe other people uh, have been more fortunate and I've come across other DJs that have that experience. And then on the other hand, I also gotta mention this, some of the DJs don't get paid the same, actually a lot of the DJs don't get paid the same rates, you know? So if you work at one club and you're like, oh, I need it, yes, I'm gonna get my 500 a night. You might go right next door and they're only gonna give you like $5 a shift and then you work on work off tips. Yo, bro, good luck. Okay, <laughs> uh, what just happened? So it's uh, you gotta really prepare yourself for you know that struggle, and if you want to keep doing this DJ journey, how uh, how difficult it be? Um, you know, the strip club business is kind of where I settled down here in New Orleans, and it made life a lot easier for me. Although I love performing for crowds, uh, when I got into the strip club business, I used that my background of just interacting with people, and then working in the strip club making it entertaining. Did you know there's, there's naked people in the strip club in case you didn't know. So yeah, you had to uh, kind of cater to the crowd that wasn't used to that. On top of the crowd that is and comes here just for the girls that doesn't want to pay attention to the DJ, they don't even care about you or the music. But, you know, but without the music, there's no entertainment. So it's like, a, again, another double-edged sword. And um, yeah, the strip club DJing that definitely helped me and molded me into the better DJ than I am now. And because of that, like I was able to you know, afford to take my kid, my kids on vacation, buy school clothes. Uh, you know, this DJ business has literally molded my children and has provided a life for them. And, you know, I've always been grateful to the, the artists that create music for hip hop, from pop to R&B, like any musician that I play on my, on my board or on the screen in front of me, like they are the reason that my kids get to eat and get to go to amusement parks and have a great time. And even though I'm not there at night to tuck them in, you know, I'm, I'm there in the morning to make sure that they have cereal and waffles and uh, that they get to school on time and they look nice. Awesome, brother. Thank you for sharing your story, man. This time we're going to jump into the lightning round. Are you ready? For sure. Describe your DJ setup, hardware and software. My DJ setup. Oh, right here in front of me, I got the, I got the W8MF board. Right here, I got a turntables to the left. I got my, uh, what program I'm using? Doing a station playlist. We're using Studio Pro right now for our FM radio station. Um, if I'm at the strip club, I'm using three different three different programs. Uh, I do like virtual DJ when I'm on a strip club setup because I have to go do other things in the middle of the DJ. I have to go check to make sure the girl's in the room or you know, make sure this guy's not freaking storing uh, some weird stuff in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm back and forth. Serato's one of my faves. Uh, Serato, they definitely saved me so many times. I learned on Serato, actually. Who's your favorite DJ? Oh, man. Oh, Jazzy Jeff. Shout out to Jazzy Jeff. DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, I met him at Harris Casino. Got him on there for my boy DJ Spin's birthday. And, uh, yo, I've loved jazz since Fresh Prince. And then just him being... The, the role of an actor and a DJ, and it's still like playing great hip hop music and awesome DJ and cool dude, cool dude. What has been your favorite party or event you've DJed at and why? Man, there's so many that come to mind. My favorite DJ event. Uh, I would have to say 
down here in New Orleans. Oh yeah. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. That fight that they had, the boxing and MMA. I was working at Larry Finn's Hustler Club and they allowed me to kind of work with the entertainment. All the guys dress up, all the staff dress up as wrestlers, like from the WWF. So <laughs> we had, you know, we're watching this boxing match and we have MMA, we got freaking uh, boxing, and then all, all of us are dressed like wrestlers. Ridiculous times. And it was so fun because we were able to just cater to that crowd and uh, people were loving it and just throwing more money. And just, I got to talk like Hulk Hogan all night on the microphone. It was dope, dude. I was uh, dressed up like Hulk Hogan. My, uh, my other partner, shout out to Nick. You're just as macho man. So we're just there acting a fool. Great times. Thank you. Who's the most interesting person you've met throughout your career as a DJ? Mm-hmm. Most interesting person I've met. You know, I've met a lot of people, especially in this radio station. Uh, I think if I can say the most interesting person that, oh, perfect. Uh, Aaron Seal. Uh, I just met him last month. So who Aaron Seal is, he's the son of Barry Seal. Barry Seal was uh, the gentleman who would fly cocaine from uh, Pablo Escobar's ranch to the United States. And his uh, his movie is actually a Tom Cruise movie. I think it's called American Maine. So if you get to see American Maid, the movie's about Barry Seal. I got to talk to his son on air. And then we got on a phone call and I got to talk to Pablo Escobar Jr. on on air, dude. Yeah. And uh, I had a short conversation with him and just talked about their their lives and the children of icons in during the cocaine cowboy days, you know, and that was a good story, good stories to share with me. Cause you know, I grew up um, I was born in 85, so I grew up watching these things on the news and being able to kind of share stories and understand where our children, what we see as kids, you know, how, what I perceive as children and what our, our parents are doing. You know, it's a, it was a life lesson. And I, as a father, I look back now like, damn, you know, I'm doing things in front of my kids that probably they don't understand now. And when they're older, I hope they, they see what, you know, I was able to accomplish and things that I was able to do. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I think that was the most interesting person I ever met. Aaron Seal and Paul Escobar. What's one thing that you think is missing from live streaming for DJs? What's missing? You know, the feel of the crowd, you know, the love. I, like, I've had people come up to me, oh my God, this is our wedding song. Like, oh, thank you so much for playing this. It's my daughter's birthday. Uh, hey, New Orleans are not having the same without you playing that song. So I think the thing missing from live streaming is just that general the connection that you have with the person in the moment. So when you play that song, when you drop that one beat and it just hits that boom instantly, and like, oh, and they just want to hug you or share that moment with you. And that's something I, I miss. And I know that it's missing from the live stream DJ and just the human connection. And shout out to any DJs that you know personally whose stories also need to be shared on this podcast. Uh, DJ Alboogie, like I said, my partner, uh, he's, he's, had a, he's had a journey, man. And he put me on so many things and we grown up as men and uh, became fathers at the same time. And it's, uh, it's yeah, I, if I can put anybody on a DJ Alboogie for sure. Um, man, I've worked with so many guys. Uh, this is a good story to tell. You know, DJ Ups, Freddie the Rebel from uh, Southern California. He was one of the more influential people in my music. Uh, discovery. He, he put me on so much house music, on uh, Latin music, and introduced me to a, a whole other realm. 
And if I could shout out one more, DJ Wolf. Man, Wolf from Centerfolds on Bourbon Street. He was uh, my mentor when I got there. And he was a Marine, and likewise, as I was. And uh, he put me under his wing to make sure nobody was gonna rob me, nobody was gonna you know, use me, uh, that I wasn't gonna be suckered into getting into relationship with one of these strippers. <laughs> he was uh, really looking out for me. And like, I, I got to shout out Wolf and his experience and his, uh, his mannerisms and just him being a stand-up guy really helped me be an even better person, not try to fall into the, the hole that is a strip club underworld. You know, and uh, yeah, I got to give a shout out to him and always looking out for the dancer's best interests and never letting anybody take advantage of anybody else under the influence. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to hearing their stories one day on the show. And any DJ that's interested in being on the show can sign up at djsignup.com. And brother, where can people find you online or even in person? Uh, yo, in person, I'm all over the place. Uh, so uh, you can find me uh, Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays right here on WAMF.org. If you're in the New Orleans area, 90.3 FM, uh, you can look for me again on Queen of the South, on USA Network, on Leverage. Uh, you'll see me on Claws once the final season comes out at the end of this year. Uh, what will we filming? Like I said, we're on Netflix film for an Adam Sandler movie. We'll, it should probably come out later this year or next. And um, you follow me on Instagram, please, DJ underscore DZ, or Snapchat, Snapchat or Instagram, DJ underscore DZ. Uh, same things, I'm a little more uh, X-rated on my snaps. But uh, on Instagram, I keep family friendly as much as I can. But hey, I work with sugar, so gotta be mindful of a lot of booty shaking going on. <laughs> oh man brother thank you for this story thank you for your time man it has really been great having you on the my dj story podcast and everyone please check out my brother dj dc he's really having fun out there on bourbon street in new orleans <laughs> and uh we love you brother thank you for spending time with us today and we look forward to supporting you and working with you going forward with the club dude if i can say one thing like i appreciate you for doing this and uh you know putting other djs on and like getting all this together because it, it takes one person with initiative and determination to make something like this happen. So, hey, Mr. I appreciate you. Like you are doing things that I wish I could do. And I'm, I'm grateful for somebody to show love to all the other DJs. And, you know, it's, even though it's a, a market out there and everyone wants to be the top dog, you know, there's enough money and enough clubs out there for all of us. Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you, dude. Take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to the My DJ Story podcast. If you haven't already, please join our community by downloading the club app for free in the Google Play and App Store today. While you're there, do us a huge favor by giving us a five-star rating and shoot us a message on Instagram telling us you did. I'd love to send you a free My DJ Story podcast t-shirt as a token of our appreciation. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you in the club.